And the Emmy goes to. 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 Breaking Bad. Modern Family. Feet. Homeland. Shit's Creek. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Next Best Series, where we talk about television here under the umbrella of the Next Best Picture podcast. This is episode 21, and it has been a very exciting day. Today, we're the nominations for the 2021 Primetime Emmy Awards, the 73rd annual, taking place in September, I believe on, what is it, the 17th? 16th? I think it's the 17th. Yeah, the 17th, right. Here to join me today to talk about this, I have Amanda Spears. Hello, it's the most special day in PV of the year. And Michael Schwartz. Emmy nominee Bernadette Peters, let's go. <laughs> so it was, like I said before, a very, very exciting morning. And when I say morning, I just want to say for the record, oh man, can't all award shows announce their nominations at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, please, 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 please. Why does it have to be so, so early for the Oscars? I don't understand it. They want to make the morning talk shows. Uh, they're not relevant anymore. I mean, I know that that's the answer, but like, come on, we're past that at this point, aren't we? <laughs> does oh, it really matter? Late. Do it with clips. That was great. Absolutely. I really enjoyed the presentation style this morning, and I liked how smoothly everything ran. Uh, it was definitely not like uh, some of the other covid presentations that we've had before where you know you guys remember when like david diggs was like messing up during the uh sag award nominations yes but my one problem is i think ron cephas jones and jasmine cephas jones look like they just met for the first time they seem very <laughs> stiff yeah they were definitely a little awkward but i think the overall like technical aspect of the presentation was really well done sure to summarize basically we have uh, The Crown and The Mandalorian leading with 24 nominations each, followed by WandaVision with 23, The Handmaid's Tale with 21, Saturday Night Live with 21, Ted Lasso with 20, Lovecraft Country and The Queen's Gambit with 18, and Mayor of Easttown with 16. HBO leads the nomination uh, totals by one with 130, with Netflix following close behind with 129. And rounding out the top four, Disney Plus with 71, NBC with 46. The theme of the nominations seemed to be the same uh, across no matter who you asked, which was MP voters had more time to watch shows this year. And it feels like they didn't watch many shows. Nope. Feels like they just like rallied around shows that they're very familiar with. Or there was a new show that just got like all of the love pretty much. There's a lot of what the same. They- and what they love, they really doubled down in. I mean, remember Game of Thrones, I think when they got 24 nominations, they were like in their fifth season. It's when they first started running drama series. So 24 is a lot of nominations. Yeah, totally. I was reading a statement from Bradley Whitford today. He was uh, talking about how honored he was to be recognized. And he wrote, I also want to express my thanks to the cast of Succession and The Morning Show for being ineligible this year. Damn right. I mean, there were so many slots that were open. Some categories are eight nominees. Uh, We're going to go through them now one at a time, and we're going to just give general thoughts, surprises, snubs, anything that you just want to add here. So want to first start off with a variety special pre-recorded. We have 846 Dave Chappelle, a West Wing special to benefit We All Vote, Bo Burnham Inside, David Burns' American Utopia, Friends, The Reunion, and Hamilton all competing here for pre-recorded. And I guess really the first thing we should mention here is Hamilton. This is bullshit. It, it did pretty well. It um, did exceptionally well. I got to admit, as someone who loves the special and has watched it countless times, even I'm a little bit pissed off. Yeah, I, I agree. I I love this cast and crew, but I don't think many people thought Philip Sue was going to get in or Jonathan Groff. And Anthony Ramos, I feel bad for Christopher Jackson because he's the one Tony nominee who did not get nominated. Yeah, and that's they, sort of wild. In, in their place, they put Anthony Ramos. And my first thought was, am I looking at drama supporting actor where I thought he would get nominated? Right. I adore Hamilton. I've adored it for many years. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. But, you know, I, I think it's one thing to have the actors. It's another to have it dominate in this mm-hmm. way. It's sort of extreme, but, you know. Whatever. Just another feather in its cap, I guess. 
Well, we'll see, because Bo Burnham's Inside is nominated. Six nominations. I will get to that at some point. I think it is going to walk in with an Emmy, just not this particular one. So then Variety Special Live, we have Celebrating America, an inauguration night special. Stephen Colbert's Election Night 2020, Democracy's Last Stand, Building Back America Great Again, Better 2020. (laughs) The 63rd Annual Grammy Awards, the Oscars, the Pepsi Super Bowl, LV Halftime Show starring The Weeknd. So it's interesting because I look at this and I normally say to myself, well, the Oscars are the ones that usually win this from time to time. But this year, I'm thinking it might be a little different. You had one award show this year that really people really responded to in a positive way. And I think that was that the Grammys. So uh, really, because I thought the weekend uh, during the Super Bowl halftime show was pretty amazing. <laughs> I, I think that's a top tier contender. Also, I think you're going to see the two of them uh, battling it out. This may be where they choose to honor Stephen Colbert. That would be nice. That, that could happen. Uh, that's where Samantha B a few years ago won. Yeah. It was in one of these yeah. special categories. So if, if he doesn't get like lost in the clutter of all these election FU Trump specials, I could see him sneaking off with this because I, I don't think people love the Oscars. I, I don't know the Grammys award history. I don't think they've ever really had a, a strong winning streak. So I could see... Colbert, he's he's still very popular. Definitely keeping an eye on it for sure. Variety sketch series, only two nominations, A Black Lady Sketch Show and Saturday Night Live. What happened here that we only got two nominees? COVID. I think COVID it's based happened. on elig- uh, eligibility. You take however many are eligible in a year and then you do it percentage wise. Yeah, and with COVID, there just weren't as many sketch shows as there usually is. Um, I, and I, I feel bad for a Black Lady Sketch Show and hey, Good for you ladies for getting a few more guest acting nominations. But um, this is SNL's year. I, I mean, everyone knows that with an election year. I think that also is why people weren't like trying to figure out a way to make it work during COVID. I, I didn't particularly like SNL this season, so I'm sort of shocked to see how many nominations it raked in this morning. But I'm not going to argue with it taking the win because it just always wins this category. Then for Variety Talk series, we have Conan. The Daily Show of Trevor Noah, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, and The Late Show of Stephen Colbert. And I got to tell you all, it really brought a smile to my face to see Conan make the lineup yes. here. Right. That was so wonderful. Uh, he is just, I think, still at the top of his game with his podcast. His show might be over, but he's still an active presence. So to reward him for his late night career as he goes into different ventures now, that was a really nice thing to see. He deserves it. I think he's even genuinely a threat to maybe win. I think so, I think so too. Threat. But remember, the year he was last nominated for his Tonight Show was under the tape system. And if you look at some of those episodes that were submitted, especially by like John Stewart for The Daily Show, it's like, I'm going to throw this. They could just by rote just kind of check off John Oliver. And he's got seven nominations. Yeah. And I believe that's the most of any of these series. No, I definitely think that this category more so than maybe any other uh, is definitely a checkoff category because, like you said, John Stewart used to dominate this, and then the uh, baton got handed over to uh, John Oliver, and it's been like that ever since, pretty much. So yeah. we'll see if something different can happen. Reality competition program, The Amazing Race, nailed it. RuPaul's Drag Race, Top Chef, and The Voice. I think RuPaul walks away with this yet again. Ditto. Yeah, they, this, these are the categories where until till they lose, it's just honestly easier to keep picking the same series. So until RuPaul loses, I'm just going to keep on picking it. It does make me wonder from time to time if people are even watching any of these. You know, are they just like not watching and just picking the one that won last year? I think they're listening to people like, you know, if some of them have kids or, you know, they know that show's cool. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes that that's what happens in this category. Yeah. Honestly, because, you know, I, I think they're like, my kid likes RuPaul Drag Race. Okay, I've seen 15 minutes of that. Sure. And then for guest actor in a comedy series, this is where, <laughs> oh boy, here we go. We have all from Saturday Night Live, Alec Baldwin, Dave Chappelle, Daniel Kaluuya, and Dan Levy. And then there's Morgan Freeman for the Kaminsky Method just hanging out there. <laughs> what the hell? I think I might go with Morgan Freeman because I could see how these four gentlemen cancel themselves out. I feel sorry for Chris Rock. He had two chances to get nominated today with this and Fargo, and he did not score a nomination. But yeah, Morgan Freeman, I get the 
a temptation to pick him, but he's hardly in that show. It's sort of like the Don Cheadle of the comedy guests. I was going to say, there are other nominees this year that fit the description of barely in it, and here's your nomination. (laughs) He's hardly in it, and I get the temptation to pick him because he's Morgan Freeman. I'm going to say they go with Dan Levy again because he had one of the better SNLs of the season, and I think they're selling that shit shit's Creek high uh, after last year, and they can't reward that show, obviously, but here's a place where you can reward Dan Levy. They were not on the Phoebe Waller-Bridge high a year later. And, you know, I don't know if any of these four, let's just say three, I don't think Alec Baldwin has a snowball's chance in hell of winning, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it comes down between Dave Chappelle and, and Daniel Levy. I don't know which one of those two. I, I could see them canceling themselves out, which I think would give Morgan Freeman a decent chance of sneaking off with us. Why is no one saying Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Oscar winner recently? This episode wasn't very memorable, personally. I thought it was. Mm. There's a lot of people who thought that it even helped him in his Oscar campaign. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's not many uh, options to choose from as far as like different shows. So <laughs> uh, for guest actress in a comedy series, we have Jane Adams and Hicks, Yvette Nicole Brown, a black lady sketch show, Bernadette Peters, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Issa Rae, a black lady sketch show. Maya Rudolph, Saturday Night Live, and Kristen Wiig, Saturday Night Live. There are some really nice surprises here. Uh, Jane Adams, I thought, was so fantastic mm. on Hacks, so I'm great, glad to see that they recognized her. Bernadette Peters, icon, legend, treasure. Just give her everything. They and were in a Broadway mood, weren't they? They were. And Yvette <laughs> Nicole Brown is such a wonderful presence in everything, and it's so nice to see her get the recognition that she's deserved for a while now. I'm very happy for her. Yeah, it was a lovely surprise for both her and jane adams and just for a black lady sketch show starting to see these people show up and guess is gonna start putting the heat on snl or you know in a year next year they might be able to overtake them election years are really hard to beat snl in this is a good one because maya rudolph is in a tricky situation because remember only gene smart has won this category in consecutive years for frazier so if you're one of these other four ladies, you start thinking, this looks really good for me. Yeah, I have my eye on Issa Rae. I could see that. I, yeah, I, I think with her, uh, you have Insecure ending later this year, and she's sort of like one of the hot uh, young actors that we have right now. I'm interested to see if they reward her for a show outside of the one that she's really known for. They, the acting branch could see this as their opportunity to award her. I, I could see that. I like that. Supporting actor in a comedy series, we have Carl Clemens Hopkins for Hacks, Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso, Brendan Hunt for Ted Lasso, Nick Muhammad for Ted Lasso, taking a break there, Paul Reiser to Kaminsky Method, but then we're going back to Jeremy Swift for Ted Lasso, Keenan Thompson for Saturday Night Live, and Bowen Yang for Saturday Night Live. Well, And what a cool nomination there for Bowen Yang as well. Bowen. First Asian cast member of SNL. Yeah, he's a featured member, right? He's not part of the main cast. Nope. He so, came the first Asian cast member of SNL. Right, yeah. He, he breaks a lot of uh, stats right there and makes history really great for him. I'm so happy to see Paul Reiser nominated because I thought he was absolutely hilarious on the Kaminsky Method. And then Carl Clemens Hopkins. Who saw that coming? Uh, that tells you. I mean, Hacks had, what, 15, 16 nominations? It did really well. Something like that. Talk about a show that overperformed. As you watch the creative arts come in, that's one to keep your eye on because we all thought, yeah, Gene Smart, maybe series, uh, maybe Hannah Einbinder. But for him to get in, that means they really watched that series. I mean, also, too, how embarrassing is it if you're a cast member of Ted Lasso and you're not nominated this year? (laughs) Well, four is a lot. I mean, remember Modern Family, just to give people some kind of perspective on this, only received three. Ed O'Neill didn't get in the first year. So, I mean, that that is incredible to get. It's just the problem is which of these four stands out enough that they would be the clear choice. Brett Goldstein. Right. I think they're all pleasant. They're all good. But I don't think anyone stands out as, oh, that's your front runner. And they're all going to cancel each other out. I I think Keenan is your front runner here. That's my thought, too. I mean, if you told me, like, who's the one of the four, I'd say it's Brett Goldstein. But I agree with Michael. I think somebody else is going to come up here. I think that I, I wouldn't agree with Brett Goldstein. I think on 
comedy alone, I would look if if there was one from Ted Lasso, I would look out for Nick Mohammed. Oh, he's hilarious, yeah. And if I, if they had episodes, he would obviously submit the episode where he tells off all the players. Yeah, totally. He would easily win this on episode, but I think you're right. I think this is if Keenan Thompson is ever going to win. How could they not? I mean, he is so beloved. He has the other nomination, which we'll get to in a minute. And he's just someone who is so overdue. This is the perfect time to do it. It seems like every year that he's been getting nominated and we've been doing this show, we keep mentioning how overdue he is and, oh, he'll get his chance at some point. And I'm inclined to agree that there really is an opening here for him that if voters have been wanting to and they don't really, you know, like you said, the Ted Lasso guys could all cancel each other out. This is the best opportunity he's ever had. Speaking of overdue, if Netflix pulls the ripcord, Paul Reiser has never won a competitive Emmy. Mm. He, he could sneak off with this. One thing else to look out for this category is that the Emmys really do love to tout their diversity, but only one African-American actor has ever won this category, and that was Robert Guimet. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, for Soap in 1979. So this is, once again, another good opportunity for Keenan, then. Yeah, he could that he could really start beating the drum. Supporting actress in a comedy series, we have Aidy Bryant for Saturday Night Live, Hannah Einbinder for Hacks, Kate McKinnon for Saturday Night Live, Rosie Perez for The Flight Attendant, Cecily Strong for Saturday Night Live, Juno Temple for Ted Lasso, and Hannah Waddingham for Ted Lasso. I am so proud to have gone seven for seven here. Wow. Wow, Good for you. I only missed one. I missed one. I didn't have A.D. Bryant and I had Sosa Mammon in, but that is incredible. Yeah, Michael, that's pretty damn good. I like this category overall. I mean, I- I'm getting a little tired of SNL clogging it up, but it's fine. They've only got three of the nominations. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's still a lot. <laughs> what am I saying? It's it's, yeah. it's pretty, pretty substantial. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, like, I'm just so happy for Hannah Waddingham just getting this recognition at this point in her career for this show. I know it was like expected and everything, but still just very happy to see her here. It's great. She is like a British stage legend. So to Mm -hmm. see her get all this recognition now for the show, it's really remarkable. And the other Hannah too, she just put in a tape during the middle of the pandemic. People didn't know that she was uh, uh, Lorraine Newman's daughter. And here she is. Emmy nominee. One thing leads to another. Yeah, she was incredible. And uh, also a shout out to Rosie Perez for the flight attendant. I thought she was quite good in that. Still haven't seen that, but I look forward to catching up. I think Hannah Waddingham, you know, even I always like to think about the good old days. And this is based on episodes. She has a hell of an episode where she gets to sing Let It Go from Frozen. And she really you really see her entire range in this series. Yeah, I think this is an easy one. I'm just going to say Battle of the Two Hannahs and I'll leave it at that. Lead actress in a drama series. We have A.D. Bryant again for Shrill. Kitty Cuoco for The Flight Attendant, Allison Janney for Mom, Tracy Ellis Ross for Blackish, and Gene Smart for Hacks. I gotta ask, why does Allison Janney keep popping up? Honestly. Because she's Allison Janney on a sh- on a show that they like. It also got a directing nomination. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Do you agree with this, or are you just like stating it as what it is? I have never I seen a single episode of that show. Five. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just put it this way. Do you think she was number five or do you think A.D. Bryant was number five? Oh, I think A.D. Bryant was easily number five. I think yeah. uh, Allison is right smack dab in the middle. I-, I think she's probably number four. Let's talk about the positive. I love A.D. Bryant's show. I'm I'm sad it was canceled because they had a great season. He hasn't really gotten the attention she deserves for either her performances on SNL or Shrill. So it's nice to see her get some added recognition and at least... In this category, with the inclusion of someone like her, they proved they weren't just watching like three or four shows. But we all know what's going to happen. I was going to say that. I mean, smart money is on smart. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, smart money is on smart. And, you know, probably watch out for Quoco. Yeah, no, she's still she's still a threat in this category, despite what anybody says. Yes, And she's going to do this in the reverse order. Smart will do what Betty White did in the reverse order, which is when guests supporting for samantha who and if she wins this one for league she will have i guess we can call it the triple crown all three in comedy races betty white did it in the reverse it's just incredible to see where her career is right now just yesterday we learned that she was cast in a pivotal role in the new damien chazelle film so she has this emmy she has 
a a nomination in the supporting for limited series. She has this movie. uh, Unfortunately, her husband passed away pretty suddenly just this past spring. So, you know, all this success on top of that tragedy, you know, you really have to feel for her. Speaking of success on top of uh, tragedy, we have uh, for lead actor in a comedy series, uh, Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, (laughs) Anthony Anderson for Blackish, Michael Douglas for The Kaminsky Method, William H. Macy for Shameless, and Kenan Thompson for Kenan. I got all five of these right. Who's jealous of me? I am, because I have Ralph Macchio. Which, you know, uh, must have been very close considering uh, the series nomination. I don't see how Sudeikis is not the front runner. Yeah, I mean, I would look out for Douglas, but I doubt that would happen. Matt, I'm very happy for you that you never have to hear about the Kaminsky Method again. I mean, I don't really care so much about it. Um, You did last year. No, I know. I just like like busting your balls because you like it. (laughs) And so do all the geriatric members of the Academy. Uh Uh-huh. Comedy series, eight nominees. We have Blackish, Cobra Kai, Emily in Paris, mm-hmm. Hacks, The Flight Attendant, The Kaminsky Method, Pen15, and Ted Lasso. I, okay, so I need to know what could have gone in Emily in Paris' place instead? Had it not been canceled, probably Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And I think that was sort of the albatross around its neck that it was a canceled show and people didn't want to go anywhere near that outside of Bernadette Peters because she's Bernadette Peters. So had that been renewed for a third season, you probably would have seen it get the nomination. But without it, everyone's like, uh, let's do that Netflix thing. That was fine. Uh, I think it's just people couldn't travel and they liked seeing Paris and probably didn't really watch the show and just were looking at the background. I mean, otherwise, you know, this is a pretty, pretty great category. Pen15 being here is awesome. Cobra Kai is also like a big surprise that uh, that show has definitely been catching on lately with people more and more of once again, because like Schitt's Creek, it got the Netflix bump as many shows have gotten in the past. Uh, But obviously uh, Hacks and Ted Lasso are the big standouts here because of their nomination uh, tallies. Yeah, Flight Time is not too far behind. I mean, I think I mean, Ted Lasso could win. But if things start going wrong for that show and they start going right for Hacks or, let's say, Flight Attendant, well, let's just put it this way. Whatever wins comedy casting is ultimately what I will pick to win comedy series. Makes sense. Makes sense. Because that's got like a six-year run. Let's move over now into uh, limited series and television movie categories. So first up, we have supporting actor in a limited series or movie. Thomas Brody, Sangster for The Queen's Gambit, David Diggs, Hamilton, Papa Essiedu for I May Destroy You, Jonathan Groff, Hamilton, Evan Peters, Mayor of Easttown, and Anthony Ramos for Hamilton. I only got two of these correct. <laughs> <laughs> what threw you off? The Hamilton love or? Uh, the Hamilton love. I had Bill Camp in there. Where the hell is he? Uh, yeah, I had Thomas Brody Sangster in there. And you and I talked about this, Matt, and you were like, you're nuts. And I said, no, his name's right next to Bill Camp's. When they're checking off Bill Camp, they'll check off. They might check off Thomas Brody Sangster. Clearly, they checked off Brody Sangster, but they did not check off Camp. I think part of the problem with Camp was that he wasn't in the show enough. That's true, but you know, most people, if they're not interested in a series, but they feel like they got to do their due diligence, will watch like one or two episodes, and those are the first few episodes. Yeah, Brody Sangster's in a lot more episodes, but I, my feeling, I think, most people's feeling was. You know, because he is basically the star of the first episode, he probably could get in. But I'm so happy for Evan Peters. I mean, all those years on television. Yeah, this is his first nomination, right? Yeah, he finally, finally got in after he's watched Zachary Quinto and and all of those other people from American Horror Story and and all of, uh, Ryan Murphy's limited series. Finally, you know, to step back from that and get in, it's it's nice for him. And this. This category is so wide open. We're going to see a surprise here. And I don't think it's going to bend Hamilton's way. They don't typically award taped performances or live performances on stage. Well, see what happened with Evan Peters. You come to Delco, you get an Emmy nomination. It just works Mm -hmm. out that way. I'm very surprised that Donald Sutherland did not show up for The Undoing. Um, I'm also very surprised by the lack of John Boyega for Small Axe here as well, which was uh, one of the reoccurring themes of the day. Small Axe only ended up with one single nomination for cinematography, nothing else. And call it the whole TV versus movie debate debacle that sunk it. I don't know. 
but it, it is kind of it is kind of alarming to me that none of the actors from the Underground Railroad and no. Small Axe getting hit this hard. I know that there was other diversity and inclusion elsewhere with other shows like Pose and I May Destroy You. And, you know, we, we've mentioned uh, a few others along the way here. But come on, this, this is this is pretty glaring, don't you think? I think the problem with Small Axe always was going and I think for, for John Boyega, it's almost better that Letitia Wright was also snubbed because then they can't say, well, look, it's your attitude for, from his standpoint, because he did have some negative press recently. But when I think of, of the Underground Railroad, it's such a technical marvel. It kind of reminds me of like a movie that, you know, you're all like, oh, my gosh, this is so awe inspiring. And then you're like, who's the actors in this? You know, sometimes that just happens. It's really unfortunate because especially we'll get to this category, but, you know, I thought William Jackson Harper might be able to get back in. He was nominated last year for The Good Place. It's a shame. It's a real shame. I mean, other uh, missing people as well. I mean, David Diggs got in for Hamilton, but, uh, you know, lack of nominations across the board for The Good Lord uh, Bird as well. I, I think that goes back to that first episode, Matt. If you only watch the first episode of that, I could see how that could turn people off because... You have to like get through the whole series, and it's no offense to Ethan Hawke, because I I did go ahead and I don't usually use Wikipedia, but I did look up the person he was playing, this famous abolitionist, and he was like at a twelve on the crazy scale as far as his beliefs were concerned, and frantic to the point where I could see how people were like, "Whoa, this is a little nuts." Like they might not want to sit down and give this another couple of episodes. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. So then moving over to supporting actress, uh, we have Renee Elise Goldsberry for Hamilton, Catherine Hahn for WandaVision, Moses Ingram for The Queen's Gambit, Julian Nicholson for Mayor of Easttown, Gene Smart for Mayor of Easttown, and Philippa Sue for Hamilton. And I got to tell you, I really genuinely love this category. Um, I'm very shocked that Mariel Heller did not manage to get swept up in the Queen's Gambit love. Uh, very shocked by that. You know what this tells me? It tells me that the Queen's Gambit might not be the front runner that we think it is. With I don't know. Mayor of Easttown picking up these surprise nominations for Evan Peters and to a lesser extent Ju- Julian Nicholson, you have I, people getting some love there in surprises. And I know you could say Moses Ingram getting in uh, over uh, Mariel Heller, but there's no reason Mariel Heller should have missed. It could have been both of them, not one or the other. But I think Evan Peters was always in, and I did have in my predictions Julian Nicholson and Gene Smart. I think like Bill Camp also, she's only in the second and third episode, I believe. No, that's no. She she appears throughout the series. No, but she got she spoiler alert, she passes away in I think episode three. She's only in two episodes, I think. But she's such a presence on that show. I think she 
is more and more a mark on that show than Julianne Nicholson is on most of Mayor of Easttown until the finale. No, I agree, but I think Moses Ingram is also, she's in like three episodes of this. She plays her friend. Well, actually, you know what? She's in the first episode too. So she's in a lot yeah. more of this. And she was very good. I think it's, they're still kind of even because it's not like, you know, they got somebody. I mean, I think everyone either had Evan Peterson or had him on the bubble. I had both Smart and Nicholson in. I think the race is open. I think the good news for Katherine Hahn is that all she has to do, you know, is is get past the mayor of Easttown ladies. And she might be able to pull this off finally. Oh, I think she's pretty much locked in there. I'm not even a Marvel fan, but I'm happy for her because that's, you know, a performer who's been around for a long time doing a lot of excellent work. She gets a tour de force performance in this. She really, really does. Lead actor in a limited series movie. We have Paul Bettany for WandaVision, Hugh Grant for The Undoing, Ewan McGregor for Halston, Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton, Leslie Odom Jr. for Hamilton. Mm. Very stacked category once again. I'm very, very surprised that even Hawk did not manage to get in here for the good Lord Bird. Or Brian Cranston, for that matter. Brian yeah. Cranston, for your honor. Yeah, Emmy royalty. Yeah. That's well, that crazy. that was not a good show, so I understand why people... No, no, like no, I, I agree with you. But still, I thought that they wouldn't be able to resist him. Right. My thing with Ethan Hawk is that people had been saying he was the front runner all season, and it just felt weird to me because I have not heard a single person really talk about that show. So... Everyone's like, he's the front runner. He's the front runner. And then he misses. And it's like, okay, well, who's the front runner now? This is sort of like, you know, at the Oscars when you say Ben Affleck's the front runner for best director and he misses. And everyone goes, okay, well, who's next? I think you really have to look at Hugh Grant coming off of his role on that show, but also a very English scandal from a few years ago. He had a lot of goodwill from that, a lot of goodwill from Paddington and a few other projects, Florence Foster Jenkins. Maybe it all comes to fruition here. I absolutely agree with you because I don't think Paul Bettany, I, I don't even know how to describe what kind of tin man character he plays in WandaVision. Okay, I've seen the Marvel him. movies, so <laughs> Jesus okay, Christ. I don't know what it's called. I've seen him too. I just can't remember. He's called Vision. It's in the title. I know, but isn't he made out of like metal or steel or something? No. Yeah, they said something like they can't let her bury. Like, well, anyway, it doesn't ma- it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Basically, the bottom line is that the performance is not good enough to win. Yeah, basically, I, I agree with him. I think that Hugh Grant uses everything that he has, that that rom-com charm, and they tell you the truth from the beginning, and he is so charming. It twists the viewer's mind into believing, no, it's not him. And then that final episode, you're like, holy mother of God. But I'm just praying it's not you and McGregor. I'm, I mean, come on. This would just be rewarding people for doing everything you could possibly do to win an Emmy that you could think of other than playing twins is in this role. I mean, he, did, he played twins in Fargo. It didn't work. Now I'm hoping everything else combined into this cartoonish version of Halston won't work. Please. Well, I thought it was one of his best performances. I did, too. That's not saying much. I mean, he's your uh, Mark Ruffalo this year, it sounds like. No, I went back and watched this and I because I thought I was a little harsh on it, but I I don't know. I, I feel like it doesn't dive deep enough into it. It's just very surface level. I mean, from a from a writing standpoint, I agree with you. But as far as his performance goes, I think that he does a really good job given what he was given. <laughs> but I mean, if I'm being completely honest with both of you, I think you both are being a little too uh, a little too confident in writing off the Hamilton people. I'm not writing them off. I just think they're going to split. It's not even that they're going to split. The problem is, name the last time somebody from an on-stage recorded performance won an Emmy. But you would agree with me, though, that this is a very, very, very unique case in terms of the passion for this property. Super unique. I I would point out that Brandon Victor Dixon couldn't do it when he became a superstar on Jesus Christ, a superstar, I would point out that Felicia Rashad with all the goodwill in the world, never won an Emmy, could not do it. I would also point out that Cicely Tyson also in a similar situation for her Tony winning performance could not do it. But here's, here's my, here's my point though. They did not nominate Hamilton for all these awards just to have it not win anything. They have done it in the past. So you think, I mean, I think Odom Jr. would be the most, 
would probably be the most likely. It's different with television than it is with theater. At the Tonys, you knew that Leslie Odom was going to win over Lynn. That was just a foregone conclusion. With the Emmys, I think there's something about Lynn, if you're looking between the two Hamilton men, of just saying, he's our representative from the show. He represents what Hamilton is. Let's give it to him. But I think it's a little trickier when you have all these other performances like Ewan in there and then Hugh Grant. I don't think it's all cut and gr- cut and dry. I think it's very possible, but I'm not ready to say I'm predicting him. What if he gets good at the David Diggs? I mean, that, that could happen in supporting actors. Oh, I definitely think that could happen. Yeah. And that's, I mean, this is the one thing I will point out. I just found the fact Robert Morse was the last person in 1993 when the category was still miniseries movie actor for true so predict these people at your peril i mean it could be maybe renee ellis goldsberry sneaks off with it that's why that's why that's why i'm saying i think you guys being too confident in saying that none of the actors could win i think that one of them definitely will win well i don't I, know but i think david's gonna not do on it. their side I, I think i don't think history's on their side but you know what though amanda History has, has its, its eye eyes on you. them. I'm going to have to remove that song from my... Lead actress in a limited series or movie. Michaela Cole for I May Destroy You. Cynthia Revo, Genius Aretha. Elizabeth Olsen, WandaVision. Anya Taylor-Joy, The Queen's Gambit. And Kate Winslet from Mayor of Town. This just became a lot more interesting today after the nomination uh, tallies were announced. I mean, Sylvia Riva doesn't have a chance, but I, I think at this point it could go to any one of the other four. I don't think so. I think this is where they award the Queen's Gambit. They probably won't win supporting actress. I, I think this is Anya Taylor-Joy, not Anna. Come on, people. Read through the names before you announce them. I, I think this is hers. You don't think this is a race at all? I think Kate Winslet could give her a little run for her money, but I don't I don't really think after the year Anya Taylor-Joy's had, and when you look at I've been like researching movie miniseries, I have a real fun social life. And, you know, when you look at like how Angels in America performed and the way it has performed that strongly through those Critics' Choice Awards and through the guilds and everything, it's really, really hard for me to see how the acting branch wouldn't want to award her for such a commanding performance. The whole series is on her shoulders. I think this is very clearly Winslet versus Joy. Why wouldn't it be? But at the same time, I think that is going to be such a competitive race that it gives a very nice opportunity for someone like Michaela Cole to sneak up the middle. That's where I'm at, too. Especially considering how well her series did today. I mean, better than I even expected it would be you know do today I, I thought for sure that she would get nominated i did not expect the show and everything else to just just do as well as it did and get all of those uh nominations I yeah i need to watch that now possibly a writing nomination that's what i thought would happen I, i'll just say this congratulations for her i think she's the first actor or actress to be nominated for writing on the limited series side for themselves it's really a shame for ethan hawk because he wrote good lord bird too he had a lot to be disappointed with this morning. What's really funny about this category is if you go back five years to the Tony Awards in 2016, your musical acting winners were Leslie Odom <laughs> Jr., David Diggs, Renee Elise Goldsberry, and Cynthia Erivo. So hypothetically, you can see, it's not going to happen, but hypothetically, you could see the same winners at this year's Emmys who won at the 2016 Tonys. That's crazy. No offense. To Cynthia Rebo, but this is where they should have put the Underground Railroad and Thuso Madubu. And I think Cynthia Rebo is a great talent. I, I think she was miscast in this role. This is just, oh God, just so bad, this series. Well, for limited series, Genius Aretha is not listed there. Instead, we have I May Destroy You, Mayor of Easttown, The Queen's Gambit, The Underground Railroad, there it is, and WandaVision. And at this point, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but it, it really does seem to be between Queen's Gambit and Mayor of Easttown, especially after Underground Railroad failed to get any acting nominations. Uh, WandaVision, though, overperformed in a really, really dramatic way. Uh, I was not expecting it to do as well as it did at all. I knew it was a contender and I knew it could very possibly show up, but it got like multiple 
writing nominations, and I just did not see that coming. You have to remember what really kind of helps a show like that is it's such a technical marvel. Yeah, totally. Every episode every week was different than the last. Yeah. Below the line went Gaga for the series. Like, oh yeah. Let me just put it this way: if it wins enough, if it wins enough texts, I might say this is the runner-up to probably the Queen's Gambit before Mayor of Easttown, because I, I mean, we're talking music and lyrics, main title theme, sound editing. Because you got two picture editing nominations. I understand that, like you know, with Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, that there are always these blockbuster type of shows that are usually uh, in the Emmy, you know, lineup. But I, I, I just want to know from both of your perspectives here with uh, WandaVision doing as well as it has and now Mandalorian on its second season. Are we starting to see a bit of a takeover of the Emmys in terms of blockbuster oriented shows? Definitely faster than an organization like the Oscars would you see mm-hmm. them embracing Mandalorian and not just one division, but also a little bit of Falcon and the winter soldier. I think you're going to see it with Loki next year. They are not hesitant to embrace these shows. And I think that's going to be very interesting in how this Academy begins to adapt and who they're bringing into the party. I think it's interesting though, because it's almost like how the Emmys have been faster to embrace diversity and inclusion Um, They're also not afraid to embrace what's, quote unquote, popular. And there's no doubt that these shows are popular. And it feels like with the Oscars, there's more of like this snobbery looking down upon what is popular and trying more so to embrace a higher artistic standard uh, and also to like a smaller project. So this way the Oscars can help get more eyeballs on that project. Whereas, you know, the popular films don't need that. They already have the box office, but with television, it feels like it's a little different. It feels like if you've got the ratings, if you've got the streams, the social media engagement that you get rewarded with the Emmy nominations. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think some of these shows are of very high quality, but when you look back through the Emmys, a lot of popular shows have been nominated and awarded throughout the years. They've always been a little bit more populous. They don't want to typically award things that are canceled, and we'll get to this in a minute, but I think, you know, if NBC had kept their mouth shut for, you know, a month, waited till Emmy voting was almost over, they probably would have seen Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Uh, they should have pulled a Lovecraft better. Country. Yeah, absolutely. They should have done what HBO did and wait till it's way too late for people to go, I'm not nominating this series. And then, you know, poor Jane Levy might have been able to sneak in over A.D. Bryant or, you know, even Allison Janney for that matter. But the Emmys have also have always had a little bit more of a populace to them. I mean, I don't think a movie about a glee club would ever get nominated for an Oscar. But hey, it's still got a lot of Emmy nominations and wins. But one thing I will say with WandaVision is I think this could be a surprise directing winner. Yeah, I think so. I could see how the directing branch would just eat this up. For best television movie, we have Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, Oslo, Robin Roberts presents uh, Mahalia, Sylvie's Love, and Uncle Frank. Who said that Dolly Parton was getting in? (laughs) I always say Dolly's going to get in. She always does. (laughs) Whatever you want to say about those movies, they love them from Dolly Parton. And I say God bless you for it because I, I love Dolly Parton. They had to thank her for the Moderna vaccine in some way. I'm very, very happy to see uh, Sundance titles, Sylvie's Love and Uncle Frank appear here, especially because I saw them at their world premieres at Sundance before they were Emmy competing movies. So I just find that to be uh, pretty, you know, funny. Michael, did Oslo win Best Play at the Tony Awards? It did the year after Hamilton. That would have been too funny if that was also 2016. I thought it was. That's why I was like, damn it. Nope, so, it was um, next year, the year of Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And then entering into the drama realm for guest actor in a drama series, we have Don Cheadle for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay. Ugh. Charles Dance for The Crown, Timothy Oliphant for The Mandalorian, Courtney B. Vance for Lovecraft Country, and Carl Weathers for The Mandalorian. Sorry, Amanda, no Mark Hamill. Yeah, I I had Carl Weathers, but I think Timothy Oliphant's one to look out for. 
Uh, I wish they just give Don Cheadle an Emmy and stop nominating him. I mean, seriously, every freaking year. They um, love the man, and it's apparently super nice and super accessible. So I guess he's just yeah, one of those guys they'd like to reward. People are saying that his 90-second performance is one of the shortest, which it is. But do either of you know what the shortest Emmy-nominated performance of all time is? No. I'm guessing it's Margot. Mar- oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I think I do know. Um, is it from that Mrs. Harris movie with... Um, oh, gosh, her name's right on the tip of my tongue. Help me It out. was from Mrs. Harris. You want me to I say? Know it's, yeah, I, know, I can't remember her name. Ellen Burstyn. Yep, it was Ellen Burstyn for 13 seconds. <laughs> That's why you have to. Pre- that's why they changed the rules of limited series. That you have to appear in five percent of the series. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. how that happened. Uh, she was Did nominated. Everyone was very there? confused, and she lost to uh, Kelly McDonald. The only other thing I'll say in this about this category is I'm very, very happy to see Charles Dance finally get in there. He's yeah, a past well, Emmy nominee before, but yeah. In re- in recent years, after his renewed like career resurgence, I guess if, if you could call it that, like. It's just nice to see him finally get some sort of recognition, you know? Yeah, last chance. Category though, um, because you know they don't usually award Brits in this category, but that could change. It's it's just been thirty years. Well, speaking of that, guest actress in a drama series, we have Claire Foy for The Crown, Alexis Bledel for The Handmaid's Tale, McKenna Grace for The Handmaid's Tale, Sophie Okonodo for Ratched, and Felicia Rashad for This Is Us. Oh, Felicia, you could have been a contender. Oh, my God. Yes, that. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, you're right. That probably ruffled some feathers, I'm yes, sure. Uh, she's yeah, also the dean gonna... at Howard University. So, you know, and that's also interesting. Like, all these formal apologies. So this really could have been her year. Instead, uh, we could be looking at, uh, honestly, if I was picking a winner now, which I'm not, but if I was, I would actually say McKenna Grace right now. <laughs> Oh, you have to see the first episode of The Handmaid. Watch the first and last episode of The Handmaid's Tale so we can talk about them next time. But she is remarkable in this series. I was so thrilled. I think if we're in the golden age of television, that should include teen nominees more often, child nominees, because for some reason they still kind of get left out. And I, I just want to say, I do feel a little bad since we saw so many new Handmaid's Tale cast members get in that Amanda Bruegel, who played Rita, kind of left out. And then for supporting actor in a drama series, we have Giancarlo Esposito for The Mandalorian, O.T. Fagbenley for The Handmaid's Tale, John Lithgow for Perry Mason, Tobias Menzies for The Crown, Max Mengele for The Handmaid's Tale, Chris Sullivan, This Is Us. Bradley Whitford for The Handmaid's Tale, and Michael K. Williams for Lovecraft Country, and somewhere, somewhere right now, Joseph Fiennes is drinking a bottle of wine. (laughs) Joseph Fiennes, I don't know if it was because they already had three in there and they decided he's the most likely to be in lead, but they effed up. If they would have put him in supporting, even with three or four people in there, with what happens in the season finale, and I'm like... This is their best season finale. Like, there is a reason why The Handmaid's Tale had a resurgence in nominations this year. Yeah. Because holy shit were those last three. Like, once they think I'm out, I, they pull me back in. Because I was like, yes. Somebody said, get us the person connected with the Miramax Best Picture winner from the 90s. And they're like, got it, Mangala. And they're like, no, you were supposed to do fines. <laughs> Funny. Uh Chris Sullivan keeps popping up for This Is Us. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, I predicted him, and I I just can't believe it happened. I, I, I so wanted to be wrong on that one. I just feel really bad for John ben- Benjamin Hickey because Uzo was at her best opposite him. And the same thing for Ramos. He's in the wrong category. They were both astounding. Ugh. They, they were just such standouts to see that they did have room for Chris Sullivan, but... You know, they didn't have room for any of those patients. It's kind of sad. I swear to God, if Giancarlo Esposito wins for The Mandalorian and not Gus Fring, we're going to have an issue. And I don't have any issue with him, but that is just going to be a big injustice if he wins for Star Wars and not his iconic role. Can I ask you a quick question, Michael? Have you seen season two of The Mandalorian? I have not. He, there you go. He's so good. And I, I like I'm sorry, your comment is silly to me because actually he is really good and he would be a worthy winner. Under the new system, he would be an Emmy winner already. 
for his final season of Breaking Bad. But I, I tell you, if Disney Plus would pull the trigger and run a campaign with let, let Giancarlo Esposito make history as the first Black winner in this category, he could win this. And I would also look out for Michael K. Williams because HBO will pull the trigger. Michael K. Williams is definitely a threat. I agree, especially uh, considering how beloved he is amongst this academy. I would say he would have been more of a threat if the show hadn't been canceled. That, that's the biggest problem he has. I am afraid of John Lithgow because sometimes they'll just go with the person that respects the most. But I almost think look out for Tobias Menzies. Yeah, that's also very possible. He could really, with everything that's happened and Prince Philip passing away. I don't think that that's a factor because like, I think most of the people within the television academy are probably like good riddance that he's gone, you know? Well, I, I think the way that Menzies handled it with, with saying I learned enough about him to know he wouldn't care what an actor thinks, the sympathy of an actor. So I'll quote Shakespeare. I, I thought it was very eloquent the way he dealt with that because he was like, oh, I just played him. Why, why do you care what I think? Yeah. But um, I, I could see how he could pull this off. He's been around for a while and he's been in everything. Yeah. And if the crown is going to go on a tear, as we suspect it will, he could get swept up in that. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And next season, you got Jonathan Price. Oh, my God. Please, God. Supporting actress in a drama series. We have Gillian Anderson for The Crown, Madeline Brewer for The Handmaid's Tale, Helena Bottom Carter for The Crown, and Dow for The Handmaid's Tale, Anjane Ellis for Lovecraft Country, Emerald Fennell for The Crown, Yvonne Stravowski for The Handmaid's Tale, Samira Wiley for The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, I'm so happy for Madeline Brewer. I thought she had a great episode she's one of those characters she plays janine on the handmaid's tale it's nice to see that they didn't just go with the same ladies as they always go with uh emerald fennel for the crown or promising young woman yeah i i had aaron doherty in here but we all know what's gonna happen what's gonna happen yeah come on gillian anderson yeah come on gillian anderson well i mean let's let me put it this way now um how many people do you think are going to repeat the major precursor wins with an Emmy win this year. Um, I am going to have to do a little research on that, but I yeah, think she exactly. Is, no, I think she's the safest, honestly, because she was the talking point. Oh yeah. No, I undoubtedly. So I totally agree, but we just saw so many actors repeat a golden globe sag. And to say that a lot of them are going to repeat at Emmy. I don't know. We only saw three, and that was Anya Taylor-Joy, Jason Sudeikis, and Gillian Anderson. The difference between Anderson and Sudeikis and Joy is she doesn't have one other person lingering over her, where Anya Taylor-Joy has to get past Kate Winslet. Jason Sudeikis really probably does need to be worried slightly about Michael Douglas. There's one other person I think people could vote for in that category, is my point, where I think with Gillian Anderson, there's not a strong number two. There's not a strong one of these to look out for. They've thrown us curveballs in the past. Sure. I mean, anytime you have more than five or five nominees, it's absolutely possible that, you know what, maybe Helena Bonham Carter does it this time because she just, you know, people thought she should have won last year and she just has that kind of fan base. That's like the Emmy's MO, though. Uh, We didn't give it to you last year and here's the makeup award for this year. Yeah, they did that with Candy Newton, but that was a very different category. But, you know, I think the Handmaid's Ladies, as wonderful as they all are, probably cancel themselves out. And then, you know, Emerald Fennel's not really a factor. She's like this year's cousin Greg. No offense to make that thing, but I think people really just like her and like that she won that Oscar and she just kind of got in on goodwill. So if this race is between Anderson and Bonham Carter, I think this is going to be an easy pickup where it's you know, you just never know with Taylor Joy versus Winslet, and Sudeikis is in a rough spot. It's easier for me to pick her since she's won a Golden Globe and SAG Award already and won an Emmy in the same cycle. I know they like her. I think this is Jillian Anderson, and it's really not even close. All right. Lead actor in a drama series, Sterling K. Brown for This Is Us, Jonathan Majors for Lovecraft Country, Josh O'Connor for The Crown, Reggie Jean Page for Bridgerton, Billy Porter for Pose and Matthew Reese for Perry Mason. Well, if you're Jason Bateman or you're Bob Odenkirk, you don't want Sterling K. Brown or Matthew Reese to win because well, you do want Matthew Reese to win, but you don't want Sterling K. Brown to win because everyone else is competing for their first or last season. And with the exception of uh, Jeremy Strong last year, 
nine out of the 10 years, it's gone to somebody who's either won for their first or their last season. And I looked this up today because I was just curious how old Rami Malik was when he won for Mr. Robot. Rami Malik was 35. Josh O'Connor is just 30. There might be this feeling that we've got time to award him. Yeah, but he's the hot person from that show. I mean, and look at him on the can red carpet this year. He is like the person of the moment. And I understand that, you know, people want to reward him and he's all deserving. I would also look at Billy Porter, who had the performance of a lifetime this season on Pose. Yeah, and he's a previous winner in this category, and they do sometimes like to reward people again. Um, Pose did very, very well for its final season this year. Pose has done better than it's ever done. Right. But I I mean, I, I don't use age to be discriminatory. I'm just saying if you go back and you look through these winners and you start looking at their pictures, you go, you know... One of these is a little on the young. You start looking at the nominees, you're like, you know, one of these is a lot younger than the other, you know, median age for these winners. You kind of have to take that into a little bit of consideration when you're making these kind of predictions. But he is hot. Very happy to see Jonathan Major show up here for Lovecraft Country. Once again, the love for that show in general. (laughs) There's a pun for you right there. Um, Despite the fact that it was unfortunately canceled, was pretty great to see this year. And I personally don't agree with the Regé Jean Page nomination for Bridgerton. I think he's just a pretty face to look at and nothing more. Why are you ruining my life? Uh, But I understand they needed nominations to fill up this year, though. I would look out for him because he's hot, too, right now at the moment. I, I don't have any words to describe how much I would be thrilled to see him charm his way up there on that stage. Lead actress in a drama series, Uzo Aduba, In Treatment, Olivia Coleman, The Crown, Emma Corrin, The Crown, Elizabeth Moss, The Handmaid's Tale, MJ Rodriguez for Pose. Yes. And Journey Smollett for Lovecraft Country. I am putting it out there now. I think MJ Rodriguez is winning this. I think that that is extremely possible given the incredible um headlines and buzz today that that nomination caused i mean that was probably the coolest nomination of the day by far first openly transgender women woman to be nominated in this category yeah and take away the history of that just for a second just look at the performance on its own this has been a long time coming because she is the heart and soul of that show so to see it finally happen in the final season one last chance it's almost like when Shit's creek finally got recognized toward the end Here they are paying attention to someone who deserved this all along. You have her getting those headlines and the positive buzz. And then you have two actresses from The Crown, both very strong. But I think, again, they could split. And there you have MJ just waiting to take it. But but the only other thing standing in her way is Elizabeth Moss doing career best work in season four. Like undeniable career best work. She's scared the bejesus out of me in that final episode she was so so good it was so nice to see her back in form and i i loved that mj mott rodriguez got nominated but this is you know emma corin is this newcomer who came in and tackled the iconic role that we've all been waiting for and did not disappoint We've talked about this in the past. I think her and Josh O'Connor kind of seem like a winning pair. So it would be cool if Billy Porter and MJ Rodriguez won too. No Sarah Paulson for Ratched. Um, I thought for sure that that was something that would happen, even though I'm not a fan of that series at all. Um, and then another uh, miss in this category was um, Phoebe. Uh, I never. Yeah, for yeah. Bridgerton. Uh, her co-star got in, but she missed out. She got to make out with Reggae Green Page. I don't feel bad for her. Drama series. We have The Boys, Bridgerton, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Lovecraft Country, The Mandalorian, Pose, and This Is Us. And I know it's not going to win, but I just want to say it is a personal victory for myself, personally, that The Boys is even here. So I don't care what wins this category because I already feel like I won. (laughs) (laughs) That's what matters, Matt. That is what matters to me. Yeah. If I'm happy, then everything else is great. (laughs) Let's put it this way. Netflix is in a very bad situation after... How? They're going to win this with the crown. Hold hold on. I'm just saying. The the Oscars, I think we can all agree, did not go the way Netflix wanted. So Netflix desperately needs 
to win not only with the crown, but with the Queen's Gambit, to have any argument that they are the premier streaming service. Because they are the last ones to have not won a prestigious award. They've won TV movie, but come on. No one cares about that. So if they can win limited series and be the first streamer to do it, and then to win for the crown and be the first streamer to win two series awards on the same night, there you go. They need that badly after their kind of so-so Oscars. They won some tech awards. They won some, you know, shorts, but they didn't really have the night they were hoping for. What do you think, Michael? Do you think this is a must win for Netflix? Look, I mean, I've stopped thinking in the terms of Netflix doing that, you know, winning a series race. But I think this is the year to do it because they have the crown and I can't see anything overtaking the crown. So it's probably going to happen by default. But if for some reason it didn't, you know, there would always be another chance. I don't think it's because of Netflix bias. I think it's really just other shows overtaking them in other years. Yeah. And, you know, as we mentioned at the top of the show here, The Crown and Mandalorian are leading here with 24 nominations each. So there is also the slightest possibility. I mean, God, could you imagine if Disney Plus did beat out Netflix? It could happen. But I just want to say I felt really bad for Pedro Pascal of all the people who got snubbed. This reminded me of Anna Paquin when True Blood got nominated for series that second season. And you're like, how does the series star not get in? Yeah, uh, I, I did feel bad for him because even the people who made Grogu got in, got nominated. So I, I did feel really bad for him. Maybe they'll let him take his helmet off a lot more in season three. So he has a chance to really emote. If the tech branches go crazy for the Mandalorian, it does not need to win casting the way you have to win casting on the comedy side. Game of Thrones has one drama series without the casting award. So it is possible. Any ever final thoughts on the 73rd annual Emmy nominations? Stacey Abrams or Julie Andrews for best narrator. Oh, what a race. You know, they both deserve it. It's a tie. One, uh, Stacey Abrams is nominated for the um, part two election special episode of Blackish. And Julie Andrews is nominated for obviously her great narration of uh, Bridgerton as the orator of gossip. And I love everyone's favorite, you know, nanny and governess dishing the dirt. So what about you, Matt? Oh, it's going to be it's going to be Julie Andrews. I think so, too. Michael, any final thoughts? You know, there's some interesting nominations, a lot of the same shows, but they managed to surprise us in some unique ways. And I look forward to what the ceremony looks like. We have a host in Cedric the Entertainer, which is pretty inspired. Not to mention, too, uh, this is going to be an in-person event this year, as opposed to last year, where it was all done over Zoom. So very curious to see how they pull that one off, considering that so far we've gotten the Grammys and the Oscars, and they've both been wildly different. So... My question is, are the Emmys going to go different with their show or are they going to copy uh, a formula from one of the others? Well, you know what the catch is, they have Cedric the Entertainer hosting as his character from First Reformed. That would be very peculiar to say the least. And then Ethan Hawke is going to show up because he wasn't nominated to enact the ending of that movie. Well, somebody has to do something. I do think having somebody (laughs) as jovial as Cedric the Entertainer as host probably will prevent us from having a very solemn ceremony like we did at the Oscars. But I I could still see in person, but for those who maybe live in London, another remote site like we did at the Oscars. But hopefully it's just a little bit better plan. Don't do what the Oscars did and change the order of the awards. Oh, I think they're going to be all over the place because they'll... (laughs) Jesus, that's the thing that I don't understand lately with award shows in general is why are you always rethinking the order? Like, just keep it in a very, very normal, straightforward order. Series goes last. Doesn't matter if you want to do comedy series, drama series. Hell, limited series is such a baller category this year. If they decide to do that last, that would be pretty awesome in my opinion, (laughs) you know? But just make sure your series nomination, your best picture... Anything that is your crowning achievement award, make sure that that is last, for the love of God. I got nothing else to really add about these nominations today. Anybody else, anything final? Look at the writing and directing awards, because we've seen on the comedy side for three straight years, the same episode win writing and directing. 
which puts Ted Lasso at a very big disadvantage. Whereas Hacks and The Flight Attendant both went with their series opener and this very streamlined approach. Uh, also the same thing with the drama series. It looks like Peter Morgan might finally win his first U.S.-based award. Yeah. There's something to look out for. It will definitely be very, very interesting to say the least when we watch the ceremony in September. We will be back next month with our official final predictions. Uh, right now, we're all just kind of playing out narratives based on who got in, who didn't, who got the highest vote tallies, what got in for directing and writing, like you said, Amanda. But uh, we'll be making our final calls on next month's show. Until then, Michael, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at mschwartz95. And Amanda? You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amanda Spears. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 21 of the Next Best Series podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to this channel. I know that sometimes we do these Patreon-exclusive type of episodes, but anytime we're talking about the Emmys, we like to do these ones for free for you. So if you want to subscribe, head on over to anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts under Next Best Picture. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you like what you're listening to, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review there. Anything less than five stars is unacceptable. But if you really want to support us and get the other uh, episodes that we do year round, if you go to Patreon for $1 minimum a month under Next Best Picture, you will get exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.